0: Log Talk Radio. Buy please. Oh,
1: Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Welcome, everybody. Today my guest is director, writer Todd Robinson. Uh, his recent movie starred Ed Harris, David Duchovny, William Fichtner, Jonathan Shake, and others called The Phantom. And we're going to be talking with him in just a moment. But let me tell you that the chat room is open. If you're listening live, you can join us in the chat room right now. The official URL for Rex Sykes Movie Beat is rexsykes.com. My name I'm your host. It's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. If you're listening live or if you're listening to this archived, because all of these shows, over 400 hours, are archived at rexsikes.com in the Interviews blog, available 24-7 and available as podcasts at the iTunes store. If you're listening to this live or archived, please go ahead and invite someone else to listen in. Share this with others near and far, your industry connection, your film fan friends, and uh, invite them to listen for the first time or the 100th time use twitter facebook google plus your favorite social media means because when you do that it supports my guest it supports filmmaking in general it allows other people to find us it increases our presence on the internet and and thereby the purpose of of Rexy's movie beat is to assist you in making your projects easier faster Uh, less expensively, and to advance your career and to get things done um, by connecting you up with people who are doing that, professionals in the trenches who are sharing their expertise with you in writing, directing, producing, anything behind the scenes, acting, casting. So uh, please share this and also leave comments at the player uh, whether live or archived. When you leave comments or you tweet about us, you put us on Facebook or Google+, Plus or whatever, it makes it just that much more available to others to find us when they may not otherwise. All right. So enough of that. Join us in the chat room if you're listening live. And uh, be sure to go back and listen to all the over 400 hours of uh, excellent uh, movie-making programming available for you at absolutely no charge. I want to tell you about Todd Robinson's movie, The Phantom. It, it was released in movie theaters. As I told you who it's starred by, it was also produced by Julian Adams and Penn Dencham. Uh, guests have been both on the show before and are coming back. Penn will be on a Thursday. But the DVD and the Blu-ray and the VOD uh, 4 Phantom release is now June 25th. Three months later, so what is that? July, August, September, it looks like. It will be available on nec- Netflix for about 18 months, and then it will go to free TV for about four or five years, and then again Netflix. So so June 25th, get your DVD, uh, your Blu-ray, and your Video On Demand. I really, really enjoyed The Phantom, and that's one of the reasons why um, I asked Todd to be on the show. And he had a couple prior discussions and this will be our third, and we're going to be talking to Todd right now. How are you doing, sir?
0: Good morning. Greetings from cloudy Southern California.
1: Oh wow! Well, I'm, it's cloudy, isn't it? Um, I also want to say that you did a, another really uh, wonderful movie called Lonely Hearts. That's Sir James Gandolfini and, and John Travolta. That's available on, on video that they can get, you know, um, from Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, well. Uh, did you say cloud? You said cloudy California.
0: Cloudy Southern California.
1: This is this the June gloom
0: time? It's June gloom, but we love the June gloom because it keeps the high school students away from the beach just a little longer.
1: Wow. Which well, means there if you I go. Can
0: navigate Pacific Coast Highway.
1: <laughs> For a while, at least. <laughs> For a little while, yeah. It's at, what is it, the high school out on Temecula Canyon or something like that? Oh, I mean, we've, got, um, well, we've got Malibu High School
0: out here. In but, Malibu High has- School? But of course, I, all of uh, all of Southern California adjourns to the beach, uh,
1: and so yeah. uh,
0: summertime is challenging out here. But we invite everybody to come; We'd love to have you. <laughs> I don't know, know how anyone
1: graduates high school living in Malibu or Santa Monica or, or you know the Sunset Beach area because it's just you know I, I was I was high schooled inland. You couldn't see anything, but to, to see the ocean and <laughs> to be you know within feet of it, I can't I can't imagine ever. Well, having a daughter
0: who, on Friday, graduated from Brentwood High School, I can concur with what you're saying. I don't know how they graduate
1: either. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, all right. I'm so glad that you're here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I'm so thrilled that Phantom is going to be available uh, on June 25th for – uh, released through video Blu-ray and uh, and video on demand. That's exciting news. I really, as you know, I really enjoyed the movie. And we had uh, in-depth conversations about Phantom and about, um, uh, last time, about writing. And, uh, and we're taking uh, uh, filmmaking, independent filmmaking primarily too, uh, from soup to nuts or nuts to bolts uh, and, and exploring it. Um, before we go further, I want to say that the uh, Phantom, by the way, the websites are uh, phantomthefilm dot com, p h uh, a n t o m thefilm.com, dot com, and solar s o l a r filmworks w r k s dot com, and so listeners can uh, check into the, both those websites. You're also at Solar Filmworks on Facebook. So uh, be sure if you haven't yet uh, heard about or seen the movie in theaters, um, go check it out, and uh, you'll be glad you did. So, Todd, how about uh, we pick up with – last time, as we closed the show, we said, okay, we've written a script, and certainly there's so much more that we could talk about, and for screenwriters – uh, and And writers that can go back and listen to some of that and we'll we 'll probably touch on more of it, but once you have the script then what there 's financing there 's casting there 's getting into pre production i mean assuming that that you've uh you know uh, if your're studio obviously a green litter, if somebody 's come along and, and helped you finance your movie what what happens next?
0: Well, you know, I I would start by saying there's a really terrific important article uh or video that you can see uh that Steven Soderbergh did. I think he was um yeah. making comments at the um at the San Francisco Film Festival and he really uh, beautifully speaks about the state of the art uh especially of cinema and independent film and uh it's a it's a slightly frustrating conversation uh but he really summarized quite beautifully in my opinion um what the challenges are um i think that um financing independent film and casting uh tend to be uh interconnected uh and then there th- then there's the other uh pink elephant in the room that nobody really ever talks about that makes things so challenging and that is uh the process of marketing uh and advertising A a movie. And so these three things uh, together really sort of um, have to be not only coordinated, but one thing tends to affect the other. uh, And it sort of works backwards, uh, sort of the tail wagging the dog a little bit uh, in terms of uh, content. Um, Because if you can't promote the content in an efficient way, you know it's very difficult to uh get the operating funds
1: to pay the actors to get the movie made Oh, absolutely so, so uh, how does this process work i mean in in some cases you attach an actor hopefully and and then people see that and want money or you get money and as a result you get an actor what uh, it's kind of a snake eating the tail or which comes first or
0: well i think it's it, it, it's all about in in it's about getting your project validated because everybody out there who's going to risk time and money want reassurance. And the best way to reassure somebody is uh, by having talent attached and, 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 by extension, validates the integrity of the project. Um, there are a lot of things to navigate in between you and the actor um, or the talent, Um there are lawyers and agents and managers uh, who, very often, especially for new filmmakers, uh, are going to be—you know—it's their job to get their their clients paid. Um, right. So, generally, you have to find a uh, an asymmetrical way to uh, <clears throat> excuse me to uh, get to the talent, because generally, going directly through the agents and managers—and they would hate me saying this—but it's it's sort of true. They tend to be Tend to be uh, obstacles to smaller projects, so one must be crafty uh, in terms of how they um, you know get in touch contact and and forward material to actors
1: so what does a filmmaker you know like yourself or with a partner like julian w- where do you go you you you've got a a tight screenplay you've now got to deal with agency managers or get to the talent. And uh, and and or the funds
0: <laughs> Well I'll tell you I'll tell you A a, a, a little story about uh, The making of Lonely Hearts Which is a, a movie I made in 2007 I think uh-huh. That uh, you mentioned earlier it, We had a great cast in the end John Travolta, James Gandolfini Jared Leto uh, Laura Dern Selma Hayek and others Scott Conn was in it So it was, it was a really quite yeah. a good cast um, and I, I had a really, you know, interesting piece of material that was based. Uh, a, a, the thing that interested me about this historical piece was that my grandfather was actually involved as one of the police officers. It's a pretty hard-boiled uh, detective story about a serial murder case uh, in the late 1940s. And um, it, it, it was sort of, uh, you know, how do you get people to pay attention to this? And I, I was. Uh, you know, it wasn't that people didn't know who I was, but I was uh, a first-time feature director, and uh, and I had, to, I had to break through that. And the, the first calling card, of course, is, is the material, which was good enough to get people's attention. But then I had to convince people. And my producer on that movie was a woman named Holly Wearsma who's produced quite a few movies over the years. And she had a plan, and the plan was that she was going to sit me down with anybody and everybody uh in town who would who would take 15 minutes to talk to me. And we we started off by uh going to the major agencies and where she had at least some relationships and we started with general meetings with packaging agents. And those those people tend to service the talent agents um forwarding uh material to them. Uh sometimes you can almost make a, a business deal uh with a big agency if you, if you allow them to package it for you where where they take a percentage of uh of the raise uh and it it's kind of a win win because it, it's more common in, in television but it's uh it's a win win for an agency because they actually make a little bit more money and they don't uh they don't actually charge commission to their to their talent. So everybody's a little bit happier so we we went to william morris icmcaa uh paradigm um writers and artists and others and uh and i introduced myself to these people and and i i had a presentation with a lookbook and and sort of my 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 vision for the movie i went in and talked to these these folks who tended to be younger people and um and then once i won their confidence they put me in the room rooms with the agents that represented the talent that I was interested in. Now, one of the people that I wanted to get to for sure was John Travolta, who in a very circuitous way I had a a relationship with because I have been very good friends with his brother, Joey, for many years. We did a play together back in, I don't know, many years ago. And I had met John as a a young actor. And so I had a little story that someday if I ever met John Travolta again, I was going to share with him. And and I I actually got in the room with his agent and there was you know they they humored me and they, they they smiled and patted me on the head and they said well keep us posted in terms of what's happening so what Holly did was she then decided that that she wanted to position me in a way that people were going to start to notice me and the way she did that was she sat me down uh, at at a series of uh, hotels the most uh, prominent being the Chateau Marmont in Hollywood and i would I would sit there because they'll they 'll let you sit there all day until it gets busy at night and have meetings it 's a very casual uh place, and actors love to go there it 's kind of a little bit of a scene uh, and so for about three months, I would go there two or three times a week and I would schedule meetings with anybody who would read the script and over time what what happened is that that other people who were there for other reasons would notice you know, so and so meeting with me. And they go, oh, who's that? What's going on with that? And and the actors all like the the material, so they would go back to their agents and report back that they had a great meeting. And actors are fascinating people and I and they always have great stories because, you know, actors tend to work, you know, from one movie to another. So uh and you know, a lot of these people I remember sitting with Bruno Kirby and and I said, oh, geez, brother, yes. just tell me, a, tell me a Godfather Part Two story. Please, please, tell me a story. And, and they're, they're storytellers. And so they love to tell you stories. And, and uh, since I'm a film nerd myself, I'm very happy to listen. And so what happens is everybody, you know, I try to make people feel great about the meeting that they just had. And so they would leave the meetings feeling, you know, like they had been supported and appreciated and um, and of course I would I would tell them my vision for the for the movie, and pretty much everybody wanted to be part of the movie in the end, and this this sort of created a little bit of a, a of a tsunami where over time, and this was sort of the genius of the strategy, um, actors started calling their agents and saying, hey, why don't I have a meeting on that movie? Why don't I have a meeting? <laughs> oh, cool, say, yeah, right. So um, so eventually. Um, I, what really what it really came down to is I had to close John Travolta in order to really close the movie. I, I really needed that piece of premier talent, and I and I happen to think he's a terrific actor, so and a big movie star. So there was no problem with me that way. He was perfect for the role, and in fact, I had always sort of thought about him. He has New Jersey roots, and my family's from that area. So and he was going to play my grandfather in the movie. So it's so all pretty pretty good stuff. So eventually what happened was I got a meeting with James Gandolfini who was still a season away from ending Sopranos. And I uh, I met him over at uh a different hotel, which one was one of the big Beverly Hills. I think it was the Beverly Hills Hotel. I think that's where we met. And uh he comes walking in and it was it was pretty intimidating, man. It was, it was freaking Tony Soprano, you know? And and he <laughs> and he kind of is that guy and he sits down and and i was nervous it was the only time i got nervous and um and he kind of looks at me and he kind of leans back and he had flip-flops on it was a little surreal i mean he, he with a hawaiian shirt you know and he says uh, so tell me about your movie you know i'm like <laughs> okay, okay and and we it, this was this was like a scene out of a movie as i start to describe the movie a woman comes in with a harp and plops the harp right down next to us because it's in the middle of the afternoon and they're having high tea and in the middle of this my story of blood and mayhem, this woman starts playing the harp, not six feet away from us and and I'm starting to sweat you know, because i don't know it's just so weird you know I, I I'm sort of pitching to this gangster icon, and this woman's playing i don't know it's just a very weird thing. And finally, Gandolfini—he looks at me, and he—and he, this little smile starts to come over his face, and he says, uh, "Would you like to retire to the bar?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, right away." And so we went in there, and they poured us a couple of beers, and uh, and it it got easier from there. But but he sweated me for a while. So anyway, um, th- that was kind of a, a cool moment, cool career moment, but. Um, but as we talked he said to me he goes you know i never say this to, he says i turn everything down because I, I you know i never feel like i can do a, a better i always recommend another actor who i think can do a better job but he said you know what i really feel like i could do this well well wow. and so i said well that's great that's 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 ama-, you know obviously amazing i was ecstatic and um and and then john who they'd actually done a few movies together get shorty and some other things at that point and they love each other and but this was the first time that they were really going to have you know pretty much every scene together because they're their partners in the movie they're cops and they're partners in the movie so so John agrees in principle to do the movie uh but James becomes a a condition of John's contract so oh, wow. I flew out to, to, so I finally get the, a chance to meet John based on that, and so Jim, Jimmy, uh, um, you know, agreed to do the film, and then I go and meet John uh, at his home up in uh, Maine, and uh, and that was another uh, interesting uh, evening, because John's a little bit of a vampire. He kind of sleeps during the day, works out at night and stuff, so I met him at another hotel in, at, like, midnight, and um, and had this conversation, and... Anyway, John agreed to do the movie, and this is sort of the moral of the story, I guess, uh, or, or one of these moments where you know you want to be protected and uh, supported by um, you know your, your producing team and so forth. And it was, it, it had taken time. I, I haven't told the story for a long time, but it, it had taken quite a few months to get all these things to line up and uh, and I still didn't have a leading lady for the movie uh or or the or the the two villains I didn't have Leto or Sam Hayek and uh was really struggling with that casting and um and so it had gotten pushed along the line and we had a hard start date because Gandolfini uh had to go back to the Sopranos so I had a hard out with him but, so I had to be finished with him by a certain date and so uh it was literally i think like the saturday after everybody the friday after everybody left for the holidays it was december of 2006 i think and i'm sitting in my office and my phone rings and it's jim and he's like listen i can't do the movie and i'm oh. like what <laughs> you know? and he goes look man i just you know i got uh i, I got my show, the show's coming up you know i this I, I can't do it i i just i'm sorry but i can't do the movie and i 'm just like in my, in my enti- you know four years of work like was literally crumbling in, in before me, and there was nobody to call Cassian, i always was out of town Holly was out of town, everybody was gone um and uh, marty bowen who who was uh, representing Jimmy at the time, who's now a, quite a big producer in his own right was uh, on a ski vacation i mean everybody was gone and i 'm alone, and this thing just completely exploded. And, of course, I don't have to sign contracts with anybody. So Jim is now, you know, a, a, he's conditioned to John's contract, so I can't even replace him. So I hang up the phone, and it's one of those moments where I just had to kind of, like, man up, cowboy up, as we say. And I picked up the phone, and I hit the redial, and Jim answered the phone, and I just said, Brother, you can't not do the movie. I'm not. I'm not taking no for an answer. And, and I said, and this is why. And I really didn't want to tell him that if, I didn't want to put that kind of power in his hands. That that the whole thing was going to, you know, crumble without him because I didn't know him. I didn't know if I would be, you know, abused by that later. And uh, and he listened to me and didn't say a word, which was worse than sitting next to him with the harp, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, and uh, over time, uh, he he finally said, you just like this long pause, and he just goes. Okay, I'll do the I'll do the movie. Merry Christmas. Click and he hangs up the phone. <laughs> wow. But it was one of these moments where um where I was completely and totally alone and realized that there was nobody to help me but me. There there just really was nobody to help me. And um and and so yeah, I had to do it for myself and I really had to I had to confront somebody who's a very sort of powerful guy or, or the right. had the perception of that. But in the end, what, it, it, what it, it turns out is that he's the sweetest marshmallow you've ever met in your life. He's just shy, and because of the what you project on him from some of the roles that he's played, you know, you're, you're making up this big story in your head that has nothing to do with who the guy really is. So, anyway, that's a very long you know story but it but it 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 explains how complicated and nuanced these things are and so it, it it getting a piece of casting for your film is not just um you know it's not just going out and attaching somebody it really doesn't work that way you have to um really work to get to people and and that to get to John to get the two of those men to agree to do that movie at that time from the moment that I really started in earnest, took six months. And and, and and the movie was falling apart the entire time. You know, I mean, and that's what happens. Movies are falling apart. Uh, Jessie Nelson, a wonderful uh, director, friend of mine, uh, years ago after she graduated from AFI and had, I think, directed her first feature film, said to me... uh, well, if you like train wrecks, if you like going to train collisions and pulling the bodies out and trying to get the train back on the tracks every morning, first thing after breakfast, you're gonna love making movies. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that because yeah. it, it really is a little bit like that. Um, there's always there's always a crisis happening, and the thing that comes with experience is that you realize how you you learn how to manage them and realize that it's just that volume goes up and people seem sort of scattered and 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 the crazier it gets the calmer you need to become and figure out how to tell the story uh under those circumstances and that's in some ways what defines a film and certainly is what defines film
1: making well, it's a fascinating journey I mean, I mean i really appreciate you sharing that uh you know fraught with so many potential pitfalls uh, you, it you know it can seem daunting you know, to people, if they don't uh, decide, you know, I have to do this, and and are driven to get it done. I mean, when you said you were alone, I can I can imagine how that feels, and 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 or know what that feels, but but it is truly um, I mean, you got to be on your feet all the time. <laughs> you, you, what you said about putting out fires and and uh, crisis management, you know, so so. So that's my statement and my question. Then, too, in, in all this process of of meeting with John and meeting with James and uh, and having things look promising and falling apart, what about the financing and the people? Who, you know, the people who are producing for you. Was there, you know, money at this point, or do you are you hoping to raise money? Do you end up, you know, I mean, ultimately, agents and, and lawyers and, and their entourage and everybody's going to get involved, and then you know they're going to. Parcel out what what everybody's owed and how it's owed and and you know scheduling your days and things like that, but but during this initial process, uh, were you financed or did you have to get financing based on or did it help to have to get financing based on the the people you were able to secure?
0: Well, a lot has changed, you know, in the you know whatever it is five or six years since then, maybe mm-hmm. seven, or eight, I guess now. Um, uh, a lot has changed a- at that time uh it well th- this hasn't changed there there and it was certainly true on phantom and other things that I've worked on that I didn't direct where there was an always an imminent threat see in in life you know if you, if you want to get if you want to go buy a house you you put down a, down a down payment a deposit of 20% or whatever it is you go to the bank they vet you and um and they either you know give you a loan or they don't but you don't move into the house or or start to pack up your old house and move out before that is done is finished so in the real world um, th- there is a series of events that takes place that are transactional um between here and you getting what you ultimately want and in the movie business especially in the independent world um it it's never like that it it is a, it is a series of things that are falling apart all the time um and you have to learn how to manage the stress of that because it, it just is the way it is um you you will often have um multiple sources of money uh for instance um in today's world you, you know you you've heard uh, people talk over and over about soft money or or, or tax incentives um, well that you know the way uh, in in the briefest term or the simplest terms the way uh independent film might come together today is that you will have a combination of um of heart equity um which might represent well they want it to represent the lowest possible amount of the of the overall operating budget so if you have a ten million dollar budget they 're probably looking to put maybe three and a half million dollars say uh, in hard equity then they 're looking for you to 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 make the film in a place where there's a tax incentive, um, and, and uh, if, for instance, we're we're going to we're trying to uh, put a project together in Georgia that has um, a gross 30 percent, I think, uh, tax incentive, which will net down to about 22. Uh-huh. But that so if they agree to do that, they'll give you a piece of paper that's bankable, but you have to take that piece of paper to a bank, and the bank is it's got to be subsidized or not subsidized, but financed, <clears throat> and so. So that's a process, so So that's really a, a short-term bank loan against that paper that will be vetted by the state, and then they'll decide you know how much money you actually spent in their state, and they'll award you accordingly. And so that's money that, that's going to that might not be returned to the investors uh, for a year. Then you've got probably, in addition to that, you might be financing some foreign sales, which is more paper, more banking, and then there, there might be a gap loan on top of that. And so, and in the meantime, in the middle of that, the actor you put in the movie, you know, go makes a movie that tanks. And so their foreign sales uh, temporarily plummets. You know, all the way that these things are used to vet your, your package are sort of insane because it could it, it just as easily be, uh, you, you know, in between their last movie that didn't do so well and you making your movie, another movie comes out that's great. And so their foreign sales goes up, but you undersold them. So, you know, by definition, you could have gotten more on that sale, but you were, you know, this is how we have to scrape the money together. So when you when you hear th- that gobbledygook, you can kind of understand how it's falling apart all the time because th- those things all have to come together uh, and be um, coordinated. And the, the backstop to all of this is the Bond Company, the Completion Bond Company, which is the, the 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 group that everybody insists comes in to guarantee the completion of the movie. And there are only a few left that, that really do it. So they have to vet you. They have to vet your schedule, your plan, your budget. And, uh, and you're sort of saying what you have to say to get your movie made. I mean, they didn't. They didn't. The bond company did not believe we could do Phantom in 20 days. They did not believe us. They did not believe that we could do it for the money that we did it for. But we had a plan. But they had just never seen anything like it. <clears throat> so they were, you know, terrified because if if I fall on my face and don't do what I say I'm going to do, uh, they have to step in and finish the movie, and they never want to do that because they're not filmmakers. They're financial guarantors, you know. So, you know that that is a that is a total you know, poop storm of stuff going on while you're really? trying to make a movie, and you know the, the scheduling and the you know the planning of the uh, the actual execution of the movie. Well, that's what we do. That's the fun part. But you're 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 distracted by the pressures of all these other things. Not to mention that every single person that that comes to work for you. Uh, has to you have to go through a process with them in terms of hiring and and I'll skip past the below the line people and go back to the talent where you're constantly juggling who gets what and how do you create a sense of parity so that so and so doesn't feel put out because you know so and so's got a bigger trailer and it, you, you hear these things they're cliches but they're cliches because they're true and so as the director you know it's not just about you showing up and, you know, having your artistic moment. It's about you, you know, navigating all these issues that come up constantly day, day in, day out. And so, you know, how do you get somebody out of a trailer who's got their nose out of joint? How do you create the conditions for uh, for doing great work and keep everybody calm Uh and i and I can tell you uh I'm guilty of not being great at that the first time out you know i mean it's a it's a it was a very very stressful um situation and uh because I had four really five six really powerful actors in that movie um you know all vying for their spot, you know all wanting to know that I was completely focused on them and uh I think I've gotten a little bit better at it um but anyway, that's why it's toppling down
1: around you all the time. <laughs> and I mean, it's amazing because I mean, if you're producing and directing, it's 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 just completely overwhelming. Uh, hopefully, you have you know some insulation if if other people are taking, you know, the primary role and and doing all of that. But but it it never ever. I mean, I don't think I, to my knowledge, no one is ever isolated from f- or insulated from from most of what you discussed. So well, especially
0: it, in pre-production.
1: Uh, you, you're not because
0: you, you have to get involved. I, I had a an actor who shall not be mentioned on a movie that shall not be mentioned, who um, at the last minute made ridiculous demands that, that I mean that my that my movie could not possibly sustain. And so and this is somebody who, who you know we had raised money on and so forth and I, and and somebody I considered you know a friend and all of a sudden at the 11th hour it got really crazy and and i had and it, it, you know the the my producers john watson and Pendentium and julian adams did everything that they could do but in the end i had to call up i had to make the direct call and be confrontational about it and in and in the end i had to let that person go wow. so uh, and it was somebody I really wanted to work with, whose work I really love. But it, it, sometimes that's what you have to do. And I'm not, you know, really that confrontational in my normal life, in my in my real life. But that's that's what I mean. There comes a point where you you have to go nose to nose with an agent, and you just have to say, listen, you know, are you really going to do this to, to this movie that's you know six days away from rolling cameras? Is this really who you are? And you get you have to get in their grill. You know, and it's not comfortable. But, you know, you just do it and and you realize that it really isn't personal. It's sort of apersonal. It's just business. Um, But you kind of have to, you know, get in there and do what you have to do to protect your project. And uh, and that's the stuff that, you you know, at least I didn't ever really think about. I, I thought it was much more of an artistic pursuit, you know, or, you know, Executing these ideas with these people more you know, I come out of the theater, so it, there, was, there was much more a, a, a sense of uh, cor, you know, uh, uh, esprit de corps in that way. You know we, we were all headed towards opening night and the curtain coming up, and a movie isn't really like that because everybody, isn't, everybody doesn't show up on opening night. People are spread out over the course of a production schedule, and they come in and they go out. So, you know, even just getting everybody together for a rehearsal or, or a table read, it can be really challenging. Um, but I, I I got off the track a little bit. Uh, I was coming back to, uh, oh, I just wanted to say that, w- that the group of people that I worked with on the last film, at least, um, once we were in production, they did everything they could to take care of problems to keep me focused on what I needed to be focused on. And sometimes, you know, I I kind of feel a little guilty about that because you, you feel like you're being handled at that point. Um, but in the end, it really isn't. It's in everybody's interest that you're not distracted by things that you don't need to be distracted by. Uh, and that's the dirty job of being a producer because they basically have to sit there with the, you know, <laughs> With the, the the shit hat on, you know, g- dealing right. with all of that stuff, and um, uh, but it's important because in the end, it's really about your relationship with those actors, and you know, as I said before, you know, creating an environment where they can do their best work. So,
1: I mean, you know, I really appreciate everything you just said, and I and I also really appreciate the the parallel you drew, you know, you drew between you know coming from theater and the notion of hey you know we got a barn let's do a show kind of thing and that there's an opening night and everybody's working toward that versus the uh, people are scheduled at different times and come and go throughout and and everybody has their own agendas and or their agents and managers also have their own agendas for the people in the project and you know it's it is this delicate juggling and balancing act and and you know, taking care of personalities and and, and managing and and putting out any you know any fires that come up, that I don't know that you know most people can fully ever appreciate what that's like until they're in that position, and it I I draw a parallel between professional independent filmmaking and and today the notion that anybody can pick up a camera and go make a movie. Um, The stakes are different. Not really. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I mean, you know, people. You know, I I can go get something out of a store and and gather my friends and shoot something, but that's not, you know, an independent movie in 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 the way that we talk about independent professional movies or, or show business. That is a movie that is made outside the Hollywood system, but it's also outside the traditional business model of making any business model of making movies. Yeah, so. I think
0: that's true, and I I also would, would just say that um, there is a brotherhood and a sisterhood of uh, of filmmaking mm-hmm. that you, that you just you can't get into that club until you've done it. Um, but but it is also the reason that I I pull for every film that I see. Right. I really do, and and when they're not so good, um, I just you know I I refuse to you know, be a fanboy blogger and and say crappy things about other people's movies because there is just no way to really ever understand the conditions in which the films were made and, and the pressure that the filmmakers were under, you know. And, and this is the thing about, um, about being a filmmaker. You know, we talked about isolation and, you know, feeling alone before. It really is an, an interesting thing, you know, um, because I'm a writer-director, I start relatively alone in the beginning and I am isolated. I mean I've just come out of the bunker <clears throat> yesterday I just completed a first draft on a new script and uh after you know being 8 weeks alone uh then you know you move into this thing and it gets very very busy and then you kind of get alone again with a with a uh, an editor in a room and then everybody comes in and judges it and and it, it by definition it sort of gets torn apart. And this thing that you've been so myopic about and <clears throat> and, and and focused on suddenly is up for grabs, and and it you know you put it out there and uh, and it, and it gets judged by test audiences and all sorts of things, and you finally you know you're trying to protect your vision, but you, you have to respect what the audience tells you is working or not working, and you finally finish your film, and then you put it out there, and let me tell you, you're all alone again. <laughs> you are you are a one man standing between you and the film and and what the what the the writers write and the reviewers say and you know and so uh you really have to uh have a thick skin and and understand that you know making films looks different at different times to people on the outside looking in and it's it's really a a challenging challenging thing to go through and uh and you, you you just have
1: to love it because it's uh it's painful. Wow. well very well very well put. And uh you know what? Uh, let me take a short break now and uh, and then we can talk uninterrupted for the the balance of the show and we're about that that midpoint. So let me uh, remind the listeners that if you're listening I'm talking with Todd Robinson, director, writer. Uh, we've talked about two movies so far: uh, Lonely Hearts and Phantom. And Phantom uh, was recently released in movie theaters, starring Ed Harris and David Duchovny, William Fichtner, Jonathan Shake, among others. And it is now coming out on DVD, Blu-ray, and a video on de- uh, and, a, and a video on demand. And that date, the release date, is uh, June 25th. DVD, Blu-ray, video on demand, starting June 25th. 2013 and then about three months later it'll be on netflix for about a year and a half and then after that it goes to free tv for four or five years and then again on netflix so uh this is an opportunity to uh, find out what we're talking about you can also get lonely hearts look into that you know by by a, a web search where you can purchase that but uh it's very fascinating a wonderful movie and uh... Todd and I talked in in an earlier show about it because uh, it it is about a submarine and what happens to the the people aboard the sub. And uh, I had spent an evening on a sub with my son, and so I, I, knowing the conditions that uh, these sub people go through, and then imagining Todd and his crew. And cast on a submarine, actually shooting a movie on a on a on a on a submarine uh, was just uh, almost more than I could imagine. So uh, you you want to see this movie? So go see it. The uh, websites are phantomthefilm.com, phantomthefilm.com, and solarfilmworks.com, solarfilmworks.com. Now I got to tell you that tomorrow I was going to have Julian Adams, who's one of the producers on on uh, Phantom. Uh, on the show and we're all scheduled all set all ready to go and I've had an emergency that I have to take care of I've got a fire I've got to put out and so I've had to postpone the show with Julian tomorrow because of something that's come up for me that I need to that I need to handle uh, and I've got to go out of town to do that so um, uh, there will be no show tomorrow with Julian Adams but he will be coming back and he will be on the show on the 6th of June is Penn Dentium, another of the producers of uh, Phantom, and also a writer and a producer and a director of many other things. He's been on the show before, too, and uh, and he will be back. Friday the 7th, Amy Jo Berman, casting director for HBO for many years. Uh, she will be on our show on the 7th. Doug Richardson, screenwriter of Money Train, Bad Boys, um, Die Hard 2, will be coming up on the 11th. Tom Malloy is an independent filmmaker who's financed, uh, I believe, three or four or five of his own feature films, raising about twenty-five million dollars. And he's going to talk about how he did that and and other things. Alex Cruz on the thirteenth is an actor, a martial artist, and a tactical consultant. And uh, we're going to be discussing those with him. And Peter Marshall is a director and a first AD. We've been doing the director series. We will continue that on the fourteenth. Then I'm going to be in Los Angeles for the month of June, July, starting on the 18th. So happy to see people and uh, meet people, and I'm there for business. So um, I'm excited. But we'll be on hiatus most likely for the show. So listen to all of the recording, go back and find the archives at recycles.com at the Interviews blog, or from iTunes or from Blog Talk Radio, and and go and listen to uh, all of the fine guests and fine discussions that we've had uh, through the years about movie making. And even in the last four years, if you go back and listen to the beginning ones, you'll find out how movie making has changed in a relatively short period of time as well. Over 400 hours of programming, so go do that. Also, please share... All of these interviews with your friends, your industry connections, and uh, both near and far through your favorite social media means, Twitter, um, by calling them up or just saying hi. I went to a film funding thing the other day, and people would say, oh, you're Rex I just Somebody just told me about your program. I want to tune in. Or, or it's so great to meet you. I've been listening for years. So uh, please do share it, because what it does is it promotes my guests, and it makes their expertise available to others who may not yet have the opportunity to benefit from it, but it, but through your efforts of sharing the show and leaving comments at the player or at uh, uh, rating and reviewing the shows, um, they can benefit too, and that's what we truly appreciate and thank you for. And thanks for all the tweeting and facebooking and everything that you already do, and all the fans of the show. All right, we're back with Mr. Todd Robinson and we're discussing um phantom but but uh along with that we're talking about you know the nuts and bolts and soup to nuts of of, of filmmaking of professional movie making and independent um the hardships the the ups and downs of uh of what one goes through to get uh, a movie made in in the theaters or distributed and and then um marketed so uh i'm i'm enjoying this very much uh todd you know, we, now we've talked a lot about this, but then, and, and you've got the actors, and you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, agent and something happening at the last moment. But there are, there, I mean, the, the Can you talk more, I guess, about the relationship and the challenges and 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 um, opportunities working with with the uh, artist representatives and then lawyers and 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 the and the and the uh, the entourage? Because you know, once you've got a name actor on the set, you may also have not just that actor on the set, but a number of people that accompany the actor.
0: Well, I think it's important to first understand what everybody's job is, and and realize that um, just because you might be at 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 odds with uh, somebody's representative in terms of um, what you want, you have to understand that it's their job to service their client, and they're just doing their job, and right. and and you have to understand that in order to sometimes resolve. What the issue might be, um, so you know that's taken you know years of being you know represented myself and uh, my wife is a is a manager and and so you know I've seen it sort of from both sides so you, you know you understand these people and you really want to make them your allies anyway because it's important uh, it's important for them in terms of supporting you for you to give them what they need to go back to their uh, actor or or talent and be able to deliver what that what they want and and sometimes you don't know if it's the actor asking for something that might feel you know uh, a little unreasonable or or, or it's going to put you in a position or whether it's them just trying to do the best they can and, and push and try to figure out where the boundaries are and so you, sometimes you just have to push back and this is why uh, I think I started out this whole ramble by saying, um, you know, being sort of asymmetric about how you uh, get to the talent uh, is really important because if you can establish, or it can be an advantage, I should say, because if you can uh, establish a creative dialogue uh, and a partnership um, in terms of, uh, you know, achieving a a common goal or or, or a common vision for a piece of material with an artist or an actor um then they're pretty much going to commit to you rather than c- commit to the deal so uh of course the 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 talent uh handlers don't like this when you sort of go around them, but if you can if if you have those relationships with those kind of people, you can go and 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 have them supporting you and going back to their folks and saying, "Hey, listen, make this happen, close this. I want to do this um And when you're dealing with folks that you don't even know, uh, going through the front door can be basically impossible. You know, because the thing about an independent film is, and everybody understands this, that you're trying to attach talent so that you can essentially leverage them uh, to get other talent and to, you know, give you the tools that you need to go out and raise money. And, you know, what do they get for that? You know, they don't get anything. So... Uh, so you you can it's very easy to understand why uh, their folks want to protect them, and uh, and I respect that, I totally respect that. So, um, well, I anyway, think you, you just you just I guess what I was getting back to just to sum up is that you need to understand what everybody's job is and everybody's position is, so that uh, if, if, as long as you respect their position, it, you can you can eventually sort things out, and you know in the end you go, look, this is the money I have. This is what I got. This is the terms of what the deal has to be. And if you can't make those terms, I'm going to alienate this other guy that your actor wants to work with. So, do we really want to create a, a scenario before we even roll a camera where there's going to be potential resentment? Um, you know, help me out here. And there you go. You know, now on a studio movie where everybody's really getting paid their rate and everything, uh, I, I think it's, you know, a little bit easier to sort those things out. But. Um, Uh, At least in terms of money, if it's just about money. Um, But on an independent movie,
1: you've got what you've got. Well, I think one of the important things that you said, uh, among the many, was you know the person you want the person to commit to you, and so uh, but the only way to do that is it's with the relationship that you develop, and I always think of you know Hollywood as a relationship business because obviously the the i don't mean the better connected you are but the better your connections are meaning the the, the stronger your like familial ties are the the, the better friends you are uh, every there's always a difference between friends and and business but if if someone's committed to you as a friend they can go the extra mile to helping you accomplish something than if you know they have no no investment in you as long as you don't as long look it's
0: still profe- a professional it's situation still business, and, yes. and and I don't know uh an actor alive uh in my world who is a you know a, a big su- a substantial person um who is going to uh is going to put their risk their business uh on behalf of a friendship
1: you right. know
0: it, it, it's, and you have to respect that i mean you you can't go to somebody and say you know, I want to make this movie about my dog and you promised, you know. I, oh, of course. I mean, it, you know, that's never going to happen. And the other right. thing is it, it is equally important uh, to, to create the same sort of relationships uh, in terms of, of respect and delivering for those agents because yes. you're going to, you have to go back to them over and over again, you know, to, for other actors, for this actor again, for whatever it is. And so um, you want to create – you want to create um, – uh, an experience for the actor that they can go back and say, you know, that was, that was really, that was really a great experience for me. I would work with that guy again, irregardless of the things that can't be controlled, which is the outcome of the movie on which there are too many things to bear that are out of your control as a filmmaker. Um, but what you, what I really try to do is make the experience great. And, um, and I've been successful at that. And sometimes I haven't been. And uh, and regardless of the performances I got or whatever, when the experience of making it has been stressful, um, I feel like I felt like I failed because uh, because I let what was you know the pressure on me get get past me and into the into the environment and the actors can't be concerned with that they just can't. It's not their job to, to to worry about you know if you make a deal with an actor that they're going to be out at ten o'clock, then you have to respect it you know or if you if you go over if you have to go into overtime or something, you can do it once or twice but and ask for a favor, but you can't do it every day you know absolutely you can't let them see you sweat because then they start to sweat i mean it's it's human nature, and when people start to get insecure um you, you know to a degree where they think that there's nobody driving the ship people panic and then you then everything blows up um you know i, I haven't had that happen to me exactly but i've seen it happen and um that's why you, you you just you know you need to build a great team around you and and suck it up because um you know if you want to get great work out of them you you can't it's you're protecting your actors the way your producers are protecting you it's it's really the, the, you know just an extension of the same thing
1: very cool, I, and and and, and yeah, I I think it's you know important again to just reinforce when, when I say relationship and you say relationship. I think the idea is that we respect the business process, and you're, what you're talking about is respecting your friends and making sure that you're not you know uh, in any sense abusing them or the relationship or the people around them that that truly trust and respect and your word and keeping your word and and being. You know, uh, known as you know, a, an honest and and uh, I, I imagine loyal uh, business person. You know, it, it, it's where reputation can precede you, and and I think can be a benefit. And as long as you're able to to do what you say and 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 uh, make things happen, and as you point out, you know, if you can make the experience wonderful them, wonderful for them, then they, they then they may wish to repeat it. Um, one of the important things that I learned in theater and live events was that very thing. You know, if somebody came in and they wanted to learn something, you know, you could sit them down like they do in grade school, you know, in the old days, and you could beat it into them, and I, I mean, figuratively, but you could make it a really horrible learning experience. Or you could make it something that they went, wow, this is so cool. I want to learn more. And, or I like that place. I want to come back. And to the to the extent that you can do that with the relationships that, that or the people that you know and and work with and and have them come back um, because they liked it and because they like you. I think is is an important ability and talent and human skill to have, and it translates from your life to your profession, and probably not the other way around as much.
0: You know, making a. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You know, making the film from a from the point of view of. Uh, maybe the only person... I mean, the crew is there from the beginning to the end. You know, the filmmakers are there from the beginning to the end. But the actors aren't necessarily there from the beginning to the end. And so it's unlike, a, a, again, a play. It, it is a very... It can be a very fragmented um, experience. And sometimes it's difficult for the actors to separate the experience of making the film from uh, from the, the performance that they actually deliver. I think somebody was telling me or I read that Jennifer Lawrence was really confused about her. Uh, oh, I know what it was. A friend of mine saw her speak at uh, Santa Barbara film festival in in a Q and a, she was talking about how she was very confused uh, about her performance in um, silver lining playbook and, and really didn't think she had delivered. Uh, and of course she goes on to win the Academy award and she's just amazing. And, uh, and as Sidney Potier said to me one time uh, you know he said actors are always working right at the edge of their anxiety, right at the edge of their of their their self loathing and their self doubt and all of those things and it's important that's where vulnerability is that's where uh where the surprises are if you're willing to work at that edge and it, and I feel like it's my job as a as a director to lead them up to that edge and kind of keep them there and and then not letting them fall off the other side they've got to sort of walk that razor blade and and not stumble because there there's really amazing things that can happen if that 's where you are and so again, that when I talk about creating the conditions for great work that 's what it is. And that's different than you know having uh, you know, an immovable opinion about, uh, about how something has to be. It's really, at least in, in, in my terms, it's, it's a process of discovery. I always go in fully prepared to do something, but, and I know where all the camera options are because I've preplanned all that stuff. But when I go in and we start to work with the material and find the blocking, and all of a sudden moving over here means something but i didn't have the camera in a position to to find that moment. Well, th- that's where you've got to be flexible because you're discovering things as you go. And you, you know, and so you you, re- you really don't want to be so um so rigid that 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 those things can't happen. So again, you have to uh, create enough trust in the actor that that they're it's basically a laboratory for them and so that they can they can find these moments that are not possible to plan that that there is a real uh there is real um human energy passing between two people I mean i don't want to get too like Zen about it but but there really is something that happens uh when when you stop playing the text and and start playing you know emotion that's happening in the moment that isn't pre planned or pre designed and uh and, and so it, it all sort of comes back to. You know this idea of not bringing the stress of practical problems into into that moment, because in the end, the only thing that matters is what happens in the frame. It's all that matters. The rest of it is just cheap drama. You know, so um, I don't know. It's uh, that's part of the fun of it, I guess, uh, and the challenge at the
1: same time. Well, let's let's kind of talk about that because what what you just said. I mean, we're we're talking about working with people and uh, you know actors and managers and all the people part of it, but also actors show up with people on the set and they have uh, sometimes a lot of different people there, whether they're friends or professional people, and 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 then directing the actor on the set. There's the because. Keeping that line, I mean, you know, or 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 making it so that you you get the performances that you want in the frame, so it shows up on the screen, and then also having to navigate what you said earlier. You may, what do you do if a, an actor shuts themselves into their trailer and won't come out? You 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 know, it's once you're in production, you're kind of, I mean, you're in the trench. Everything's going on, and and it's not just what occurs on the set, but it's how you manage. What occurs when they, I suppose, in some ways go to lunch or, or lock themselves in a trailer?
0: Well, you know, th- that is uh, slight, slightly euphemistic, I think. I, I, I've never had anybody, like, lock themselves in the trailer <laughs> having, having I, a trailer. I have know a what camera. you mean.
1: I, I, that's just the example. Yeah. No,
0: no, no. I, but I, I just want to clarify that, you know... M- at least everybody I've worked with, um, and and I, you try to figure this out before you enter into the fray or before you hire them, is has been nothing but professional. However, there are different challenges that that you don't anticipate. For instance, um, contractual obligations uh, that that a, a certain you know movie star might have, where they have, uh, for instance, a uh, what they call a portal to portal contract, which means that their day begins. When they step into their car, uh, and it ends when they step back into their house. So that will generally knock two hours out of your shooting day. Um, right. And uh, and I've I've worked with people who've had this, you know, not really understanding what it meant. So, it, for instance, if you have somebody scheduled for what's essentially a, a normal twelve-hour day, and you lose two hours there. Then you're going to lose an hour for rehearsal, probably an hour for hair and makeup, another hour for lunch. Suddenly, you're looking at a 12-hour day being reduced to maybe a seven or six-hour day. So now you've got a scene where you had—I uh, had 26 setups for the scene. Well, guess what? You know, the, the the first ad is going to come up to me, and the producer is going to come up to you, and they're going to go, um, you know, you to get to keep you on track. You got 45 minutes to get this. You know how you know go. How are you going to do it? So that's where you. So now here I am. I got to do this. How do I get this the shot? You know, I'll give you an example. In Lonely Hearts, there's there's a a very confrontational scene between John Travolta and James Gandolfini, and it, it was it was not that complicated. It was in a house, but it was really going to demand at least standard coverage, which was going to mean at least three or four setups you know at least some sort of a master and overs and i wanted to move the camera and it, and there was just there was no way that i was going to be able to get it and stay on my day it was just i was out of time so what i did was i i stopped everything and i and i and it was a total nose to nose in profile shot i i backlit them a little bit and i and i rehearsed it about 10 times and it was a kind of a long scene and it and it was something that built up and built up and built up um, but normally, you know, when you're shooting coverage, people can drop lines and you can pick it up and you'll sort it out in in editorial. In this case, what I did was I I just lined the the, the camera up on, on a dolly uh, on the dolly and it was just a slow push in, a slow push in and and while these guys went through the scene. Now, they can't drop a line now because I have nothing to cut away to, and I also can't control the pace of the scene but what it did was because i took the time and i was you know the producers were sort of flipping because i wasn't shooting i was rehearsing but when i got one and we found the rhythm of the scene and they really had the lines in the text it's a beautiful scene um and it's just a slow push and it's a two shot and it's it's great and it saved me 2 hours but that, but i but i everybody knew including me that that may or may not suit the rhythm of the movie at that point because right. i i no longer had a way to adjust the pace but sometimes you you have to come up with a plan line, come up with an idea and go you know and in the end it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's just so pure and clean and it's two actors really acting it's not me you know doing my thing in the editing room and making you know carving a performance out of something it's these two guys going at it and it's really fun to watch
1: Oh, that's very cool, uh, and and as a director, what what would you? I mean, that's a beautiful story. But what would you do if it doesn't fit the pace of the film? I mean, you just it just becomes something that somehow is now you stick in or you take out. I mean, that's a completely you know new topic, and and maybe down the road you know about editing and everything. But but you are going to be faced with situations like that, I bet more than once, aren't you? I mean.
0: Well, my advice to a to like a student filmmaker would be, um, don't do that, and always always have a cutaway. You know, I mean, you, you really do need to have a bailout. That, that was just one of those situations where, I, I the movie was chasing me the whole time. It, it was like a, you know, it was like running from an avalanche. It, it was I would, I never was caught up on that movie. Just never caught up. And there were there were a variety of reasons for that, um, you know, some being, you know, me, but but mostly being things that I couldn't quite um, control. Um, it, one being that, I, you know, that was a movie that I had two couples that the movie was really about. It was about Jim and John, and it was about Selma and Jared. And they they were shot basically separately, you know. John and Jim were done. There was like, I think, three or four days of crossover where I had all four of them. And then John and Jim went away, and I I shot out the rest of the film uh, with with Jared and and Salma, and and so but I had this heart out with Jim, so like that was coming, that was coming, so I couldn't push him, I had to get him shot out. So you know there were things, you know there were situations where I couldn't push to the next day. You know if you have a, you know a uh, you know a sixty five day or a ninety day shoot. Um, you know, you you have flex in there. You you can push and flex, and you 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 have options. But when you're doing a movie in 30 days or 35 days, um, it, it becomes you know f- there's far more pressure on your schedule because you know what are you what are you going to do? You can't. If somebody's got to go, they got to go. If you're going to lose a location, you're going to lose a location. So you have to figure out a way to tell the story, and. And that may or may not have anything to do with your original plan, and that's that's independent filmmaking, and I think it's I think it's just terrific training and experience um, to figure that out. Because if that's the way you come up on a big movie, I I just can't imagine. I, the pressures are different. Um, you're bleeding more money at 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 once. You know the crews are bigger. You know, but. Um, but it it's uh, on on a small movie you've got to figure out how to tell your story and
1: a lot of the times you have to do it on the fly again you know in a, again it's amazing because it's it's art you know versus or or uh, not necessarily versus but also in addition to you know business it's it's you know how do you get the artistic components together um with all of these business Opportunities, and business constraints, you know, and you know, you're talking budget and, and the schedule and and being behind and and money, you know, flowing out and and having to put out all these fires and think on your feet and and readjust and and get the story done. And and what you said a moment ago it was like you know being chased by an Avalanche. How do you manage that? How do you how do you you know? Are are there tips or suggestions or? But how do you manage one your your ability to withstand it or uh, stand it? Uh, stamina and how do you how do you keep how do you keep the production together without you know going nuts i mean it's it's, it's there's a huge amount of responsibility on one's shoulders Oh, no, no no question but i mean that that's the that, that's the
0: deal you know that's the deal uh, it's it's a big boy big girl game and if you don't like pressure then you know this probably isn't you know the thing for you um you you said something a minute ago that I was trying to get back to um well i, I, I guess it, it's this it, it it's a oh i know what i was going to say it, it it to to use a sports analogy um it it's really um it it look you you, you have a you you are in the middle of a super bowl and you you got to set a plays and you know it's it's going to be a down and in right for the wide receiver and that's the plan and he goes down there and there there's a you know the, the safety cuts him off and and turns him back out well now the quarterback and he have to think on their feet what, what are they going to do there's you know there's uh, 30 seconds left in the game or whatever it is you know you, you improvise you have to make it happen and and that's what separates you know the, the good ones from the great ones maybe um, and and so th- that's really what it's about. And the more experience that you have, the more that you do it, um, you realize that it's all going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. And it, filmmaking in the end is not it. it it's not like uh, you know brain surgery or something where you know you get in there and and it's life or death. You're always going to have some options. But it's also you know when I got married, I remember uh, the uh, our pastor uh, took my wife and I aside and sat us down and said, now listen. Things are going to go wrong at the wedding. Everybody wants a perfect wedding, but things are going to go wrong. Somebody's going to be late. Somebody's going to forget something. A baby's going to cry. You're going to drop the ring. Like, things are going to happen. But he but he said, but those are the things that are going to be most precious to you in the end, and they're going to define the experience. And so bringing good cheer and humor with you will make all the difference. And and I, I think that that applies here as well. Things are going crazy all the time, but we're just making movies. In the end, it's a it's a joy and a privilege to be doing it. It's a ball. It's it's fun, and uh, it, it's it's not going to cost anybody their life, <laughs> you know. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> and so and so you you have to remember that too, and and not and not take your you, it, it's, it's other people have of course said it before me, but it is true take the work seriously but don't take yourself seriously and try to be loose in it because if you get all wrapped up you know you're not going to be able to run that pattern you're not going to be able to think on your feet if you're all wrapped up and exhausted and you you use the word stamina i i think that's probably the you know the the most significant thing you can do for yourself is to is to come well rested well prepared um and, uh, it, you know, get get a good night's sleep, uh, come with your plan. I, I like to go to bed early, get up early, and have a, you know, a, an hour or two to, to myself before people start asking me questions and really go over the sides for that day and review in my head, you know, what I was thinking. Because, again, you know, w- when I'm planning it out uh, with my team, uh, my, especially my DP and my first AD, and we're going, we you know, you generally go through the script, in order and then of course the thing gets scheduled and nothing's in order and so part of the challenge is for me to know or the whoever the director is to know all the time where they are in the story so that you can create a, you know, a sense of consistency and uh, Phantom was a great example of uh, I, I think we talked about this before but we block shot a lot of that which is to say we were in a given room or a given location on the sub that was lit and for three days, maybe, we went through every scene in order or maybe not in order. Uh, sometimes it was based on what wardrobe people were in, so we didn't have to change wardrobe. And I would have to reboot everybody and say, okay, now it's day seven of the story. Here's where we are. Here's what's happened. And what I'm telling them has happened hasn't been shot yet. So, you know, how do, the, how do you get actors in a, in a place to give you the right degree of, Result, emotion, whatever it might be, when they haven't played the scene before, you know. So it's it's all of that kind of stuff. Now, when you see when you see a movie or see this movie in particular, I can't even tell. I can't tell anymore because it just all comes together in the end somehow. Uh, it's it's the magic of the whole thing. But on the day, it's one of the, it's one of those things that you really have to be prepared for because you'll get. Uh, those questions from everybody. Okay, where are we again? What did I say in the last scene? What did I do? What what happened? And when you're dealing with maybe uh, in in the case of Phantom, you know, I, I would have like maybe six or seven characters that I had to be tracking at the same time on a given day, yeah, and you you just can't do that if you don't have stamina. It's it's mentally really um, exhausting. So, you know, not to mention that you're you're sort of dealing with everybody's problems. The prop persons, the wardrobe persons, the, the cameraman, the, the, the gaff—you know, everybody's got a question for you. So, how do you keep it all straight?
1: Awesome, awesome. We've got about ten minutes left on the outside here, and um, I, I want to continue the discussion about directing actors and how you how you work with them to get performances and and uh, and, and get that magic up on the up on the screen. Uh, continue that. Is that a <laughs> yeah I, I I would like to continue how, you know some of your methods or thoughts about how you work with actors.
0: Well the first thing is to hire really good ones. Um hire people who really know their craft because um by the time you you get to set you, you don't have time to teach people how to act. Although I do view directing movies a little bit like being a coach. Uh, or being a teacher. Uh, You know, Phil Jackson used to say uh, of the Lakers that, you know, game time he would be criticized because he was so laid back, but he said, I do all my teaching uh, in practice, and I come up with a game strategy, and I explain that to the team, and then it's their game to win or lose and that's i i think you could extend that a little bit to to uh to mounting and and directing a movie and directing actors in a movie you 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 first have a an intellectual conversation about you know i tell them what i think the script is about well usually what i do is i ask them what they think the script is about first cuz i already know what i think uh and i i don't want to pollute their creative impulses by, by by asking for a result but but there's a give-and-take that takes place over a certain amount of time. I'll often go to somebody's house or something or sit with them privately and go through every single line in the movie. And they're so perceptive about transitions that don't work or questions that that they might have in terms of relationships with other, other characters. And they always make the script better, first of all. So we get that out of the way. And then I always ask them to come with the text, wrote which means you know it like you know happy birthday. There, there is no question about the text. So I can ask them to do jumping jacks or stand on their heads if I want to, uh, and they're not thinking about the lines, because it's very difficult to do three things at once when you're thinking about not only the lines, but what maybe what the lines mean. And I really don't care what the lines mean in the end. Because we're right now as I'm as I'm talking to you, I have an intention, and my intention is to convince, or explain, or something. It's a verb, generally, you know. So, mm-hmm. it, it, but if, if I were reading this off, off a piece of paper or trying to remember these words, it's very difficult for me to convince you and brush my teeth and or whatever at the same time. So the first thing I do is I, I try to give them permission to to throw away the language, know it. But don't commit to the meaning of the words because the words are, in the end, meaningless. What What is important is intent, and and that is the thing that they bring. And the moment-to-moment work, and so if they'll trust me on the language, and they're not calling for lines. I mean, it happens you know, especially, you know, with, with you know, long monologues and so forth. That that kind of thing can happen. But really what you want to do, especially with young actors, is get that off the table. Because if you can get that off the table, they, they're much more uh, able to be in the moment. Uh, you know, Ed was, uh, you know, uh, fascinating. It was a really, I, I like to say, a master's class in, in acting, being, you know, inches away from him watching him work. Because whatever was going on with him, uh, I mean, he's got seven gears, you know, people like him, you know, where he Mm -hmm. can do seven things at once. Uh, And he would get frustrated about something, and he'd say, what's what's the line again? What's the line again? And he'd be right in that moment, and then he'd just deliver the line, and you wouldn't even realize that he'd begun, Because (laughs) he would take that real energy and frustration and put it right into it. it. And you know what? It's real, because... What's really going on with him in that moment is he's frustrated because he dropped that line, and bang, he puts it right in, and it's it's absolutely authentic. So, you know, if I can create um, the conditions and have a leader like, an actor like Ed, or, or, or actually a lot of these people that I've worked with, you know, uh, John and, and Jim, you know, especially Jim and uh, uh, David Duchovny, for instance, who work in television, who are used to working fast, um, you know, they will sort of set the tone for everybody else who might be, you know, used to working a little bit slower. Um, but again, I'm I'm talking about, you know, drama as opposed to maybe action or, you know, there, there are all sorts of different levels to, to, you know, in terms of films and movies and so forth. So I'm really talking about, you know, when you're really trying to get the drama to crackle. Um, there, there are certain things that I, I feel like I can – uh share with the actor to, to help them be their best. Uh, and, and be there to whisper in their ear if if I see something, if I see an opportunity, or say, hey, you know what, when you do this, you know, poke them with a pencil, see what happens, or, you know, what, whatever it is, like, like to get something real happening. It's always about that, trying to find a truth. And, um, and, and you know, sometimes they find it themselves, you know, like, you uh, know, uh, you know you'll you'll find a little rivalry that's going on between two people, and you can sort of incite it a little bit and uh and the next thing you know it's happening in the scene it's happening through the text so but these are things that you can't plan for you know um it, it's it's more like it's it's something that you hope for, and so because they'll always make me better than I am there's just no question uh if but if I can give them. Uh, the environment and the conditions in which to do it they'll be great, and so that's what I strive to do.
1: Wow, wow, that is very cool. We've got about four or five minutes left and I wanted to ask um how much i think one of the difficulties that some actors face and and I want to ask you about working with you know name talent versus otherwise how much as a director uh validation do you do you give because one, it's important, but two, because it's deserved. Um because I, I see a lot of younger directors who they're more concerned with the shot or they're more concerned with the setup and then the people act, they go, Okay, let's let's move on. And they don't take a moment to to let their their talent know whether they've done a nice job or a not so nice job. I mean moving on I guess I should say, Great, you've done enough, but it's like, you know, I think of it like having a child and they, they've done something and you, you go, okay as opposed to saying thank you or nice job, how how do you relate to the actors regarding you know validating? I think it depends on who they are. You know,
0: uh-huh. um, um, you know, John uh, wanted that validation. Um, he he wanted to he he needed to to know that he was pleasing you and giving you what you wanted. He wanted that. He he wanted to hear that, and and I, di- I didn't mind giving it. You know. Um, uh, it, but again it's it's a very it, it it can be a little bit of a of a slippery thing because you know it it, it there's a difference between wanting approval and uh you know actually wanting criticism
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh sometimes um they are uh they're sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're mutually exclusive um and uh and if you give criticism when somebody really just wants re- reassurance uh you can c- kind of create a problem so you have to um you, you really have to um uh be, be able to sort the two things out I, I think and 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 try to see what they're really asking for but but listen uh you know i like i i don't bs people um but but and but i also would never again i have too much respect for the people that i that i hire and by the way, you know the the people who aren't big stars either. I mean, you, you know, you're hiring people who are really great at what they do, and and you, you have to respect what they're putting themselves through. And you know, I mean, look, an it's an actor. You, you make them their call is at uh, ten in the morning, and you don't get to them until four. Um, they're probably sitting in their trailer like irritated. You know, I mean, that has nothing to do with them. So how do you get them out and still get good work out of them and get them to uh, you, you know, to, to leave that aside or to incorporate it into the work. You know, what do you do? Um, these are these are all the things that that you're confronted with as a as a filmmaker, and um, so so I guess the the answer is you know I, I try to do I try to give them whatever I think that they need and not give them more than they need because you know I, I don't want them to feel like they're being shined on because if they lose confidence in in your opinion. You know, are you really giving me what you want? Am I really giving it to you? Because maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And if I'm not, please tell me. And it's easy to get, you know, swept up in the glow of, you know, the the, the star in front of you, um, and and not ask to, ask for what you really need. And uh, so that's another thing that you got to sort of work with a little bit, especially as a as a younger filmmaker.
1: Oh, that's very cool. You know, we are just at that point where we're out of time, but I've got a comment from a guest in the, in the chat room who I want to mention. Uh, you know her, and it's Pamela Wistrom. Uh, oh. Hey, Pam. She says, a great show this morning on filmmaking and Phantom. Todd had a wonderful time um, with you and everyone on the film. Love the balanced approach you use in filmmaking. Very cool. So uh, she's been listening in and, and, and been in the chat for a few moments now. I mean, so... Uh, Awesome. Great. Always a pleasure, Rex. Well, it is always a pleasure talking with you and I hope we will uh, do it again soon. We'll let listeners know when we when we when we come back and and talk. And again, congratulations on one, the the theatrical release of Phantom, and two, on the upcoming date the June 25th of the release of the DVD, the Blu-ray, and the video on demand, as well as then the upcoming Netflix release and the uh subsequent television uh run. So uh, that's all very very cool. Uh, it must it must feel I I would imagine rewarding for that. And um I wanted to say that the uh website again is phantomthefilm.com and solarfilmworks.com and of course uh solarfilmworks on on Facebook. So Todd, thank you very much. I am going to talk to you in just a couple moments and and again and uh let the, again remind the listeners that you'll be back and thank you so much for being here today. Talk to you soon. Thanks, all Rick. Goodbye. Right, okay. So, Mr. Todd Robinson, absolutely fascinating discussion. Uh, a wealth of information. I hope you share this with all of your filmmaking industry colleagues and friends, and uh, help us spread it near and far through Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and your favorite social media means. I hope you leave comments at the player right now uh, before you go away, if you're listening live or archived. Thanks for joining us in chat room. If you've been live. And, uh, and thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support and everything that you do. I really do appreciate you listeners and readers of Rex Hig's Movie Beat uh, for uh, spreading the word on my guests and helping others benefit from the expertise that's shared shared. Uh, again, Todd Robinson, I want to thank you very much and, and thanks to all of you. A reminder that uh, tomorrow there was to be a show with Julian Adams. I have had to postpone it due to my own... Uh, an emergency of fire I need to put out outside of where I'm at, and so I have to postpone the show. We will have Julian back very soon. And uh, Penn Densham comes up on Thursday, Amy Jo uh, Berman on Friday, and then uh, the rest of the other guests. So please keep tweeting about it and sharing it with everyone. Find out who my guests are on Facebook, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. Come and join us there. Go ahead and like the page. Um, uh, my own website, uh, rexsykesmoviebeat.com, is up. But it's also under construction. The new site has not been launched yet, and so the interviews are always available at the at the site. But uh, articles and blogs and videos and everything else that go with the site are are not being updated, and that's just so you know. But uh, you can look and see who guests are. Uh, But for the schedule, go to recycs movie friends and or follow on Twitter recycs movie bt is the way the last word is abbreviated. Recycs movie bt uh, is the abbreviation. And uh, and check out Rek'Sai's Movie Beat on YouTube as well. So uh, a reminder, phantomthefilm.com and solarfilmworks.com and get Phantom the Movie um, coming June 25th from Todd Robinson, Julian Adams, Penn Benjamin, and others. And uh, and Pam Winstrom, Winstrom is here, uh, an actress in the movie as well. She's been in the chat. So awesome, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, as we always say, everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.